Let's all stand together at this time. We're going to be looking this morning at a message I call Wisdom Calls Loudly. Wisdom Calls Loudly. You'll see why Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. May God bless the reading of his word today. It's my prayer. You may be seated. The book of Proverbs is written with the general perspective of a father, King Solomon, passing along words of wisdom to his sons. But more than just his wisdom, it's God's wisdom. And it's clearly identified as that, and you see it as you go throughout uh, the passages. So many times wisdom is capitalized because it is speaking of God's wisdom. In Hebrew, the word is Sophia. And if you have a Sophie or a Sophia in your family, uh, it comes from that Hebrew word. Uh, the word itself is feminine. It's a feminine noun. Uh, and uh, all you ladies can smile knowing that God's wisdom is given the name uh, Sophia. Uh, there's something about that. Uh, you say, why would he do that? But remember, uh, God's wisdom then is being presented as something that is attractive, that is helpful, and desirable, desirable. And uh, uh, so God has uh, given his truth and he's speaking his truth and his word. And in this passage, it's, it's presented as something he is speaking aloud, crying loudly in the streets. Many times God's word is spoken softly. The still small voice of conviction as God takes his word and empowers it as spirit and it speaks then so clearly to our hearts even though it's not heard audibly. But here, wisdom is crying aloud in the open squares and the streets and in the gates, the concourses where people walk and where people travel. Remember in the days of the Bible, people did not uh, have social media. They didn't have a telephone. If you wanted to communicate a message to somebody, you had to actually go see them or, or write them a letter. But most of the time, you just sat and talked. And, and uh, if you wanted everybody to know something, well, you went out into the places where people were traveling around. And, and you told one person, and they told somebody else, and somebody else, and somebody else. And that's the way the system worked, and it worked very well. Wisdom, then, was crying aloud. Uh, in the streets, in the gates, in the places where people came and went, crying out to them God's truth, God's wisdom. It's interesting that God would use King Solomon to communicate this message about his wisdom. Later, Solomon himself would fall victim to the same worldly values that he warns his sons about in Proverbs. The Bible tells the story very simply in 1 Kings chapter 11. King Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. 
Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass, notice, when Solomon was old, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. But when Solomon wrote the Proverbs, this was long, long before that would happen. He needed to heed his own advice. That he will stand as a stark example to us. That it is possible to know God's wisdom, to live in God's wisdom, to communicate God's wisdom to others. And yet still turn away from that wisdom yourself. It happened to Solomon. And it had devastating consequences, by the way, for himself and for his family. The role of fathers for us is clearly presented in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, bring up your children. Fathers. Wait a minute, I thought that was a mother's job. Fathers. Bring up your children in the nurture, the training, and the admonition, the instruction of the Lord. Certainly mothers have a part to play in this as well, but it is the Father's role, clearly presented in Scripture, to be the spiritual leader of His family and to make sure that His children are being brought up in the training, in the admonition, the instruction, in the truth of the Lord. Fathers will set the general example and the general direction of their family. Uh, fathers learn the truth of God's Word. They live that truth in themselves. They teach their kids, not only by their words, but by their example, the importance of knowing the truth of God. Fathers set that role for their family. It's a very important role. God's truth, then, in this passage, calling loudly in the streets and the crossroads of a culture, to a generation primarily of young people, remember it's a father to his sons. And a generation then of young people who for the most part weren't listening. But here's a father who wants better than that for his sons. He's not only given them this wisdom, but he's written it down for them. And throughout all these many centuries, the words of the Proverbs still reach across to us even today. And yes, even to our country today. It falls naturally under two headings. There is a problem that is presented, and there is then a means of preventing that problem from happening. The problem is clearly seen in verse 22 of Proverbs chapter 1. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. You see, the passage presents a simple uh, a progression uh, and a problem, especially among youth, that is shown in the word simple and the word scorner and the word fools. Uh, the word simple refers to those who are naive. In Hebrew, it could also be translated open or open-minded. It refers to the fact that not that kids are dull or unintelligent, uh, but rather that they are open to almost anything. We could add in the word innocent, simple, innocent, naive, open. This is the natural state of children. 
I think one of the most despicable things about living in the world of information that you and I live in is the loss of innocence that comes so quickly to children these days. As they're exposed to information that they are not morally or intellectually capable of processing what is right and what is wrong, and, and they soak it all up like sponges. Loss of innocence. But where... Uh, there is so much information about sin and all things relating to sin. It's amazing how that our culture is working very hard to suppress the truth of the Scriptures so that we want to open them up to anything and everything except the Word of God, which we've uh, effectively, for the most part, uh, tried to ban from our schools and, and are still working very hard, many people in our culture, to try to ban it from our uh, life as, as a whole and just remove it from our thinking. Uh, we'll give them anything but the Word of God. And that's where our job, especially as fathers, becomes so crucial and critical in our world. You see, where God's Word and God's wisdom is abandoned, where kids then, when they are open uh, to that instruction, are not given the truth of God's Word, they'll be open to everything else and buy into almost everything the world at large is peddling to them. And you see that. You see the evidence of it in the confusion and the anger and the violence and the hatred that is all over our country today. It is the effect of a people who are wide open to everything but closed off, kept from the truth of Scripture. Here's some great passages about the simple. Verse Chapter 14, verse 15. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. A prudent man, Proverbs 22 and 3, uh, foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. See, young people in their, in their simplicity, children uh, in their innocence and naivety, open to everything. What they don't see are the consequences of their actions. What they don't understand. They're not good at foreseeing and looking out into the future, the Bible says. They, 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 for, they don't foresee the evil. They don't understand that this friend they've got is really taking advantage to them, that this, of, of them, that this person who is feeding them this line really just wants to use them. They can't see that they're lying to them. They can't understand. They don't foresee the evil uh, uh, that is inherent in this course of action that they are thinking about. They don't realize they're being fed a line by somebody who doesn't know any more about life and living <laughs> than they know about astrophysics. They just don't know, but they think they know. Their simplicity, their innocence. They gobble up information. They latch on to what they think is truth. They love their simplicity. The Bible says it. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? They don't know about making car payments. And they don't want to know. They don't know how much that phone that they carry around their pocket costs. They don't want to know. They don't know how much doctor bills cost. They don't want to know. They don't know about rent and paying utilities and insurance. They don't want to know. They're perfectly happy in their simplicity. 
perfectly willing to go on in life and open to everything, but not seeing the dangers and the problems and the difficulties that are to come. Simple doesn't stay simple. They move on then to the scorner. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity for scorners delight in their scorning? And unfortunately, we live today in a nation where the majority of our youth have moved from the simple stage where they were open to everything, but they weren't given the truth of God. And they quickly then turn into scornful people. Now, when I type smart aleck, into my computer this week. My word processor didn't recognize it and didn't even know how to spell it. But those of you who are my age or maybe a little older, you know exactly what a smart aleck is. Amen? Don't you know that? You know, you know about what a smart, you know what a smart mouth is. Uh, and uh, so here's a, here's a child that's simple, open, wide open to everything. But then that child is not given the scripture the way that God intends. It's not modeled for them. They're not taught it. Uh, they don't see anybody living it out in front of them. They don't know anything about really what God says about life and living. And they quickly then turn into a scornful person. And they're very cynical then toward anything that is outside the realm of understanding. Of their understanding of truth. Proverbs 13 and 1 says, A wise son heareth his father's instructions, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. What does that mean? Uh, you can talk to a scorner, but they don't listen. They will not hear what you have to say. One preacher put it this way, The scorner has the devil's initials carved in their hearts. He's already got them. And they don't even know it. They're scornful. They're quick to, to show their scorn and their insolence toward anything that contradicts what they have grown to understand is the truth. A scorner, Proverbs 15 and 12 says, Loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. Proverbs 9 8, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. So the scorner is, is not just some uh, child with a, uh, maybe a smart uh, mouth and a bad attitude. They're cynical. They're insolent. They're not interested in hearing then anything that contradicts their understanding of what is true and right or what they want. And when you try to tell them that they are wrong, that what they're thinking is wrong, notice you better get ready. They're not going to love you for it. They're not going to say, thank you for caring enough about me to tell you me the truth. That's not what's going to happen. And not only that, but the Bible says when you reprove a scorner, they may very well hate you. And some of you have lived that out. Let me just give you a, a word this morning. Some of you parents might be dealing with a scorner right now. And your scornful child does not need a buddy. He or she needs a mama and a daddy. They need a parent, especially a father. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. 
Oh, but, but I want my kids to love me. Right now, you're fighting for their survival and maybe for their eternal destiny when they get to this stage. I can't tell you how to fix it. In many ways, once that kind of cynical, scornful attitude has settled down into the heart of a young person, only God can get it out. And He can. It gets worse. The simple. The simple child, open to anything and everything, but who's not given them the Word of God or the Word of truth. They don't see it. It's not modeled before them. They don't live it. They don't experience it. They don't hear it. They quickly become then insolent, scornful, uh, to the point that they don't, they don't want to hear it and don't appreciate those who try to tell it to them. But then the fools, verse 22, hate knowledge. From simple to scornful to fools. Add in these verses, Proverbs 15 and 14, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. Proverbs 14 and 9, fools make a mock at sin. But among the righteous there is favor. A child begins life in innocence wide open, left without God's truth. They grow into someone uh, not innocent anymore, but insolent from being sinful to being scornful. And the end result is a fool, a fool who hates the truth. A fool who feasts on, gorges himself on more foolishness. What an incredible uh, word picture that is. They reject the truth. They hate the truth. To them, the truth is like green uh, peas is to me. I, they hate it. I don't want it. But they feast on foolishness. They make a mockery of sin. And the very idea of sin. Proverbs 17 and verse 10 says, Then a reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes unto a fool. Now, I, I hate to admit it, but uh, I, I've been the recipient of a number of pretty good spankings over the course of my life, and every one of them I deserve. But not a one of them did I walk away from with a hundred stripes, although I probably thought I did a time or two. I uh, really didn't. The Bible says a reproof enters more into a wise man than a hundred stripes unto a fool. What the Bible is telling us that once a child, once a child grows and its progression has taken place and they've grown from being simple and wide open to being scornful, and now foolish to where they hate the truth. A spanking's not going to drive it out of them. No amount of discipline is going to correct it. They've got a deep-seated spiritual problem that only God can deliver them from. Amen. I wish I could tell you that a spanking would fix it. That you could take away their cell phones or, and it'd fix it. It won't. It won't. This is the problem. 
And God help us. This is America's problem. This is America's problem. If the Bible does not prevent or present unto us a cure outside of divine intervention, and God does that, it does tell us a lot about prevention. Never is the statement an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure more true than it is in this concept. How to prevent that child from making that progression from being simple to being foolish. How can we stop that? How can we break this cycle? In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, I'll remind you, you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 1, this is telling us that this was exactly what was going on in this passage. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Right up front then, we're given the first line of defense, the first way to make sure that our children don't get caught up in the progression of Proverbs 1 and 22. Fathers must busy themselves with the task of teaching God's truth to their kids. It is far more important than teaching them how to play various sports, or how to do various things with different balls, or even how to shoot guns and hit targets. More important than just about anything else that we could teach them is the importance of teaching them the truth of God's Word. Uh, you need to read and study the Word of God so that your kids see you reading and study the Word of God. They need to understand that the Word of God is a regular part of your life, that it is important to you. You need to take them to church so that your kids see their dad in church. And they know by seeing that, that it is important. You need to listen to the sermon because your kids are watching you and they see by watching you that listening to God's Word from somebody He has called to preach is important. You read and study the Word of God so that your kids will know these things and you can teach them. You talk to them about God's truth then whenever you get the opportunity. And so the first way that we break this cycle is by teaching the truth. Uh, but also, we, all, we must stand against their scornfulness. Fathers must stand against their scornfulness. Proverbs 19.25 says, Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. <laughs> uh, I like that passage. I have to say, I smile every time I read it. Smite a scorner. And the simple will beware and reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. Fathers must take swift and decisive action against scornfulness. When you see that attitude surfacing in your child, when they begin to show that insolent, rebellious spirit, it must be dealt with immediately. That may include taking action about even the people that they're hanging around with. I don't know if you've observed this or not, but you can't catch good health. Uh, you can catch mono. 
you can catch the flu. You can catch about all kinds of illnesses, but you can't catch good health. And we need to be careful about who we let our kids hang around with. If they're hanging around with an insolent, scornful, bad mouth, bad attitude crowd of kids, stop it. Stop it. Take action. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 18, Chasten thy son then while there's hope. Chasten him while there's hope. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. Proverbs 22 and verse 15, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. And when the Bible speaks of these things, he's not talking about, the Bible's not talking about us uh, uh, beating our children. That's what's often uh, charged against the scriptures. That's not what they're talking about. A fly swatter does a really, really good job. I didn't know for a long time that those little paddle things that had a ball on there had some kind of a game <laughs> attached to them. Those little things, and you notice I called it a paddle. Uh, those little things had another usage. Uh, I didn't want one. I had been on the busy end of one. The Bible does talk about uh, punishing a child about dealing with that insolent spirit. And we must, we must deal with it when we see it beginning to surface. Remember Proverbs 17, 10 said, A hundred stripes on a fool's back would do nothing. There comes a time when discipline won't work. I hate to say that. And if it was just me making that up, you could rightly say, Oh, Brother Rich, you're wrong about that. Well, they may, they, there'll come a time when the only thing discipline does as a parent is make you feel better. But it doesn't really do a lot for the kid. That's why the Bible says, chasten them while there's hope. Chasten them while there's hope. Because if they progress to that foolish stage, remember, only God is going to change their heart. Only God can change that mind. So how do we speak the truth? How do we then stand against this progression? Well, the first thing is to speak the truth. And that is we need to teach them uh, the truth of God's Word. We also need to stand against scornfulness. And then most importantly, we need to show love. Show love. Proverbs 3 and 12, For whom the Lord loves, He corrects, just as a father the Son in whom He delights. Whom the Lord loves, He corrects. A father will provide correction to a son in whom He delights. Nothing breeds foolishness in the hearts of children more than a father who shows no delight in his kids at all. Or never shows them any love. We must not treat our children like they are pests to avoid we must not treat them like they're a burden that we resent. We need to let our children know that we love them and that we delight in them and that while we are chastening them, while we are correcting them, we do that because we love them and we care about them. 
Uh, you might not have ever had an earthly father that you know or had any kind of relationship with all, with it all. The one the father that you have had may have been a fool himself by the biblical definition. I want you to know this morning you have a heavenly father who loves you, who has shown you his love, who in the presence of Jesus Christ went to the cross and suffered and bled and died to commend, to prove, to demonstrate his love for you. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He has shown you his love and he teaches you how to show love to your kids. I can't change what your past was, but I want you to know that God can change your future. You might not have had a father who loved you. You might not have had a father at all. You might have had a father who left you. But you don't have to repeat that experience with your kids. God can change your life and change your future. And he can teach you. And he will, if you'll let him, how to be a father to your kids. How do we show our delight? Well, we give them affection. And yes, I, I believe that includes a hug and talking to them. It, uh, we, we, we show our, our love, our delight by giving them attention. Uh, listen with your face. Giving them attention. And by making ourselves available to them. Affection, attention, availability. Three things that we as, as fathers give to our children then that helps them to understand that we delight in them. We love them. And we want what is best for them. No one wants to see their children, or perhaps I should say no Christian person wants to see their children, go in the progression of Proverbs 1.22. From being a simple person, open to anything, but who doesn't get the word of God to becoming a scorner. They take in everything but the word of God and it so fills their heart and so fills their mind that it shapes their view of the world and shapes even their view of themselves. And they resent anybody who tries to change them. They're hostile. They show no love. They can even be hateful to those who try to help them. To ending up the fool who hates the true knowledge of God and wants no part of it. We don't want to raise kids like that. We don't want to have that happen to us. How do we avoid it? Well, we give them the scriptures. Uh, that's uh, perhaps most important of all. We give them the scriptures. We teach them the truth of God. We stand against their scornfulness. When they begin to show it, we take action. And we then show them love and affection. All the while living out our lives under the awareness that the man who wrote the book on, on wisdom ended up being a fool himself. 
We say there's no fool like an old fool. Yeah, Solomon was one. When he was an old man, he became a fool. Turned away his heart from God and served other gods. He did the very thing he warned his sons not to do. Here in Proverbs chapter 1 then, we have some great instruction for us as dads, a very challenging instruction. I've tried to present it as carefully as I could today, but as biblically as I could. It's a challenge to us all. Say, Brother Rich, I don't think I can live up to that. Let me answer that question for you. You can't. I can't. None of us can. If it was up to us, we'd all probably end up in the same boat with Solomon, an old fool. But it's not up to us. You see, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the mighty Spirit of God takes up residence in your life and you're not on your own because the Spirit of God lives in you. And the Spirit of God then is able to take the truth of God and make it real in your life and make it real in your heart. And as we are walking by the Spirit and living then in the Spirit, we are able to do what we would never be able to do on our own. And at the end of the day then, that's what it's all about. Because as we look then at our family, as we look at a, a group of kids then serving God, what do we say? We say, to God be the glory, great things He has done. Oh, God has blessed us. God has led us. God has brought us through. We can say like the old hymn writer, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I, I have already come. It's grace that has brought me safe this far. And grace, grace. It's going to lead me home. Amen. You're not on your own, guys. And I pray today for all of us that God would help us to live out the warning that He gives us in this passage. We don't want our kids to grow up to be fools, though they live in a world full of them. By this definition, the fools who hate God's truth. We don't want that. And I pray this morning we see the prevention, the things that prevent it, and can apply it to our own life. Let's stand together, please.